Are you tired of yo-yo dieting? Tired of starting a new weight loss program just to fail again? Are you tired of beating yourself up, losing self-esteem, self-confidence, and self-respect? It's time to create lasting change once and for all, my friend. Welcome to the Health Mastery with Alex Yehorov podcast. My name is Alex Yehorov, and my goal is to help you master your health, your body, your weight loss, weight maintenance, energy, and vitality. My main outcome for this podcast is to share proven strategies so you can get good, lasting results and keep them lifelong, while avoiding pitfalls and setbacks so you can save your time, money, health, and efforts on things that simply do not work. Let's begin. What's going on, guys? Alex Yehorov here from thehealthmastery.com, and welcome to the new episode of The Health Mastery with Alex Yehorov. Today's special guest is a legend, and he was doing podcasting before even the iPhone was invented. He is the bestseller author of the Complete Intermediate Fasting Guide, the Keto Clarity, the Cholesterol Clarity, and so many more books. He is a host of the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. His name is Jimmy Moore, and his energy just off the charts. And just about two days ago, he interviewed me on his show. So uh, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm absolutely excited to have you today, man, uh, on my show. So how are you doing today, Jimmy? What is up, Alex? Yeah, we just did this two days ago. So I'm having deja vu. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, today we're going to be talking about intermediate fasting. Uh, we're going to be talking about Kita and how to do all of the, the right way so uh, you can get the most bang for the buck. I know you're very big on that. Uh, even to be honest, before we even get started, I want to say that roughly in 2017, I started my first online business and that was Kindle Publishing. Now, back then I didn't speak even English. And what I was doing, I was outsourcing the uh, people was, was writing my books, right? And I was doing the research. And I, back then, I already was doing intermediate fasting, but I wasn't doing keto. And what I've noticed is I found a lot of the, uh, found a lot of the content from your books, from you and the, uh, Jason Funk and all of that. So I was, I was thinking all the time, how those people selling so many books, right? Because I didn't write my books. I was just giving it to my friend. He was proofread it, edited that, and you were killing. I mean, yes, this one, The Complete Guide for Fasting, awesome book, and The Keto Clarity uh, and The Cholesterol Clarity. And I was just wondering how you, all right, you have them all. Awesome, incredible books, man. So it's, it's 2021 now, almost 2022, and finally I got to, uh, you, uh, get to know you uh, closer and I actually got into reviewed on your show. It was incredible experience. And now you finally came to my show. Now, I know that you are currently doing a 100 day of body and my transformation journey. And right now I want to congratulate you on your 75 day. Am I correct? Is it 75th day? Yep. Yeah. So how about we're going to start talking from you, uh, from your backstory about this journey? Why did you start this 100 day challenge? And how is it, how is it going? What do you feel? And what's your plans for the future about that whole thing? So I've been in this game for a very long time. I have been out there 17, almost 18 years since I was a 410 pound man. Uh, what's that about 180, 190 kilo? I, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of weight on my body. <laughs> and I was 32 years old. I didn't really see myself going anywhere for very long because I was very unhealthy. The problem though, Alex, is even though on the outside I was very big, I didn't feel like really bad. And I think this is where people get into trouble. So for me, I started that journey and I, I lost the weight that year, 180 pounds, about 
80 kilo, 75, 80 kilo um, in a year I lost. And so pretty significant weight loss. But more than that, I was able to get a newfound kind of exuberance and passion. There was a fire lit within me to want to go change the world because I was like, holy crap, why have I never heard about this low carb diet thing before? Why did it take me reading a book by a medical doctor, Dr. Atkins, but I never heard it from any actual doctor that I had been to. And so I got passionate about it. And I've been doing this work, like I said, for the last 17 years. And I found over the years that even though I'm still eating well, still eating low carbs, still doing all the right things that I'm supposed to do, I was still dealing with some weight and I still do to this day. Uh, Even though a lot of health markers have gotten better and I obviously feel better, my mind is just, I love the brain I have right now because (laughs) I never imagined as I got older, my brain would get stronger, but it has. Um, And that's been a big part of my journey as well. So this particular stay to 50 journey is, okay, I've gotten down so many good things right. Let's see what happens when we stack all of these good things, do them all within like a 100-day period just to see doing these things on a consistent basis over a period of time, will it move the needle on the fat loss? Because that's where people get kind of stuck. And yeah, what you talked about on my show was kind of using that pain, pain and pleasure reward system in the body to get you to maintain your weight well. Um, I'm definitely going to implement some of the things we talked about, but this journey here has been phenomenal for me, not in as much as it's brought about major kind of change. It has brought change. I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish that, but it's not this, Ooh, I went on it and I'm on it 75 days. I've lost 50 pounds. I don't really know what I've lost because I'm not stepping on a scale. To me, it's just more subjectively, do my shirts fit better? They do. Do I feel great? I do. Is my mind clear? Do I feel like I am contributing to society with my thoughts and verbalizations? I am. And so all of those things are a win to me. And it's and it turns on its head how we quantify how we're doing on a health journey. I think everybody puts it on a scale. And the scale, I have a pet name for the scale. I call it the lying liar that lies. And so it's just a gravity detecting device. It's not meant to be telling you whether you've been good or bad on your diet. It's just gravity. That's all it is. And so I don't worry about the banal things that they tell us to worry about. I look at more subjective things, how I feel, how my brain feels, my positiveness in life. All of those things matter a lot more. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time people know, I notice also working with the people and even for myself in the past, at least in the past, right now I don't use scales. I'm always in a good shape. Uh, I'm exercises. I'm following keto. I'm following so many biohacks that I hope we're going to talk a little bit more today with you because I know you attended the uh, biohacking conference, but let's leave it for the, uh, for the future question. So, uh, and I've noticed a lot of the time people focusing on the weight on the scale and it might trick them because believe it or not, I mean, you, I know you sure you know that, but a lot of the time when you measure yourself, especially if it's every, every single day. And if you knew for that, the water fluctuation, water retention in the body is huge. Yeah. The sleep effects, gut biome, there is so many variables that we can go into, not necessarily your even food uh, all the time. And uh, for women, it's even more because they have period and whatnot. It's so often. 
effective. And then we want to see, we, we put into work and we sure enough want to see this reward on the weight. I'm teaching people with whom I'm working or just even myself that weight. Yeah, I'm weighing myself and I weight people, my clients and whatnot, but don't focus on the weight. Focus on the way you feel. Is your sleep yeah. improved? Is your mood gets better? What about your skin? And then person is going to the doctor and they say, hey, you improved so many uh, healthy markers that this do whatever you do with that Alex guy because this things is working. And I'm saying, yeah, if you do keto the right way, it is going to work. Not necessarily every week you're going to see the weight loss, but over a long period of time, you will burn the fat. Our goal is to actually change the uh, proportion between fat, muscle, and the water. We don't want to lose weight. We don't want to lose water. We don't want to lose muscles, right? Because I don't care how old you are. Are you grandma or grandpa or young boy? We all need muscles because that's what actually uh, metabolic active tissues. And that's what's going to burn even more fat. And that's how we look better because you can be fat skinny, right? Nobody want to be fat skinny. So I, I'm very happy that you mentioned that portion where you're focusing on your mood, on the way you feel. And I know you're creating so many content because I've been following you for a while on Instagram and guys, Jimmy just killing it. He is doing walking, talking every single morning when he is doing his cardio and dropping so many, uh, incredible information at you guys and i've been following him on his instagram by the way which is the living uh, what's that uh, living low carb uh can, can you please say what's what's your instagram account is a little bit hard for me yeah i was letting you flail there a minute living <laughs> low man <laughs> so, yeah yeah living low carb man so yeah yeah so anybody who's tuning in right now to this episode please go and follow jimmy he's an incredible human being and he is public he every single day he has guest interviews few times a day he posts his results his journey and sharing just different information in, in terms of keto low carb health just how to deal with your mindset and overcome struggles and things like that so that's fantastic and you know what man i want to since you're so big on the keto and whatnot, I want to I wanna just get uh, your brain around that. Because a lot of the time when people start, especially beginners, start in ketogenic lifestyle, it might be complicated. Can you please say what's the, I don't know, top three biggest mistakes for beginners who start in keto? And then what's the top three biggest mistakes for seasoned keto lovers? Because they might be different, right? Uh, can you share a little bit? So the beginner, I think, tries to overcomplicate things. They hear, oh, I need to add MCT oil. Oh, I need to add exogenous ketones. Oh, I need to do this and need to do that. Guys, keto, if you're brand new to this, keto is not a list of these are all the things you need to do and don't do. That's not what keto is. In a nutshell, keto is real food with minimal carbohydrate and especially uh, from refined sources. You don't want any of those, but vegetables, avocado, those kinds of things. Um, and then having adequate amounts of fat and protein in their natural state, which means you're going to have that perfect ratio. God did not mess up when he made animals that perfect ratio. Think about a chicken egg. That chicken egg has almost exactly the ratio of fat to protein to carbohydrate that your body was made to run on. Uh, it's why I created many years ago this thing called the egg fast. And people now all use the egg fast. I created that 12 years ago as a way to kind of kickstart yourself into ketosis. And so that's one, people try to make it way, way too complicated. Um, and so that's where they mess up. Number two, I think they obsess about the caloric content of the diet. 
And I don't think they need to worry about uh, calories as much as they do the quality of those calories that they're consuming. Look, you can eat uh, 1,500 calories worth of ding-dongs, ho-hos, Coca-Cola, Dorito, chip. You think of the worst crap you can think of. Or you can eat 1,500 calories of ribeye steak and spinach. Which would you rather have that you think is going to be healthier for you? Is anybody actually going to say the junk food? I don't think so. So the caloric thing has never made sense to me. Don't worry about it. Yes, you're going to eat more fat on a ketogenic diet, but that's now your fuel source because when you remove carbohydrate, the brand new fuel source is now fat. So don't skimp back on the fat. And then the last one, I would just say, I think you go into it with the mindset of it only being about weight loss, you're missing so many of the great benefits. We have, we've already talked about a few of them. Energy, mood, brain health. I mean, on and on and on. All of these things happen. Blood sugar regulation, insulin control, inflammation control. Like these are all major impactors on, oh yeah, by the way, your weight, but also your health and, and the development of chronic disease. So those are the three things that I think beginners mess up on. Now you asked about seasoned veterans of keto where they mess up. I think the number one is complacency. I think they're so used to going through the motions of what keto is that they kind of fall into old habits again, unbeknownst to themselves. You know, they, they feel very comfortable in the choices that they used to make. And so they're still making it, not realizing that this way of eating and this lifestyle requires you to constantly try to keep the things going. And it's not always going to be the same thing. You know, being an exercise guy, you can't go to the gym and lift the same amount of weight week after week after week. What's going to happen? You will become complacent. Your body will even out and you won't grow muscle. How do you grow muscle? You add more weight, more reps, more whatever. And then that way you're lifting more. So if you're not doing that in your keto lifestyle as a seasoned veteran, you're not constantly trying to challenge yourself to do some of the biohacking, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. That's a big mistake. I feel like people find keto and then they're good with it. And they're not really going to do anything else with it. That's, that's so huge. Uh, another mistake I think is allowing back in foods too prematurely. So some people, they, they feel better. And so they're like, well, I was so strict to get to this feel better point. Why don't I allow back in, you name the food, any random food. And it was a food that was not serving them well. Now, I am a favor. I'm a big fan of people trying to figure out if they're more insulin sensitive and maybe they can tolerate things they didn't before. So I'm, I'm a fan of trying it. But some people don't try it. They just put it back in as if they're okay now and they're not okay. Um, and then the last one that I think seasoned veterans do is it's almost the same thing as the beginners. Once you become seasoned at it, you become so curious about trying everything that you forget about the basics. And so this is a similar one with both groups. I think sometimes seasoned people say, all right, I've done this for a while. I, maybe I should add in the MCT. Maybe I should try the exogenous ketone. Maybe I should. But again, you, you try them to see how they do. And if they don't work, you got to get rid of them. You can't just keep trying to figure out, well, I need to add that. So I think eventually seasoned veterans also try to make this overly complicated. I have fought this myself because I know everything and everybody in this space. And so it can get overwhelming with all the information. And what I've done is, all right, I listen to it. I might try it for a short period of time. All right, that don't work for me. And I move on. 
Um, and that's okay. You've got to move on from some things if they're not serving you well. I love your take on that. I mean, everything in life, it, it, you were just saying about the keto. I was talking about the fast and the same with exercises, with everything in life. I want to, we consume so much information and it's all cool consuming. I always growing and learning, but I also trying to apply the small steps every single day. I've learned something from this guy, from that guy. I'm going to try and test on myself and see, uh, is it, is it actually going to improve the quality of my life in different yeah. areas, in different ways? If it doesn't serve me within, depends on the situation, but I can try. Depends if it's workout routine. Maybe it's a one month. If it's this hack or that hack, I will try. Especially with the keto, you cannot try it for just two weeks and say, "Hey, it's not working." First of all, no. have you tried the right way? Because again, there is so many information. You might not even do even close to keto. Maybe it's low carb or something else, completely different. Paleo, even you know, people mix them sometimes. And uh, I also a big proponent of the philosophy of testing yourself and then see what's working, what's not. So then you can eliminate what's not working and stick what's working. And then you can, of course, keep on diving a little bit deeper into that topic, learn a bit more and improve as you go. Uh, and I want to ask you, what do you think about the carb cycling on keto and cyclical keto at the same time? There was the two different things. And what do you think? Uh, are you the proponent of always following to the teeth with the keto or going in and out or do the cyclical one? I think it's situational. I think this is where we've gotten into trouble, Alex. We have told people that if you're going to go on a diet, this is the diet. There's no modifications whatsoever. And I think that's just stupid. <laughs> so just to put it bluntly, um, I, I feel like one size fits all nutrition has never worked. There is not a diet that's going to be a universal diet that everybody goes on it. Everybody should do it exactly one way. And there's no modifications. That's crazy to me. So Personally, for Jimmy Moore, can't do the carb cycling. Uh, I can't do, uh, you know, the carb up days and then the low carb the other days. You know, that's cool for the people that do that. I can't do that. And I know that about myself because I've done this for a little while. Whereas I know people that do very well cycling their carbohydrates and, have, and they're mostly kind of athletic types that they tend to do better when they time their carbs around their athletic performance. Um, and then they get the post-workout carbohydrate insulin boost to help build muscle like that's cool if that's what you get out of it and you want to do it that way but we need to get out of a monolithic view of how people should be feeding themselves and so I would never say oh that's horrible to cycle your carbs for you because I don't know you and your needs you know yourself better than anyone you do what works for you Exactly. I agree with you 100%. And you just mentioned that targeting keto, basically, you didn't say the word target is keto. But what I mean is, when you allocate your daily carb intake on the keto after the as a post workout uh, meal. So sometimes for the uh, better performance and for the uh, preserving more of my muscles or to grow muscle, if I'm on that type of the protocol, then I would have once in a week uh, or maybe two times a week, I will allocate my daily carb intake right after the workout, right? I'm going to go fast as always, by the way, we're going to talk about fasting uh, in just in a bit. And I'm going to fast this day and then I'm going to do the workout most of the time on the fasted state, sometimes in the empty stomach, but most of the time I'm trying to do in the fasted state, the exercises, the workout, uh, the resistant training, especially. And then I might break my fast uh, with 
with the targeted keto. Not every time, it's not every day I'm doing that. It's just strategically. I'm using different tools. I'm using carb cycling when I need it, targeted keto when I need it. I'm using intermediate fasting when I need it, fasting. Sometimes I skip breakfast, some, sometimes I skip dinner, depends on the situation. I do okay. fat fasting, dry fasting, you name it. I'm a bike hacker as you, man. So uh, that's the next thing that I want to ask you is about the, this biohacking conference. I know in October, I don't remember, 18th, there was a three days, uh, uh, the biohacking conference but by Dave Asprey. And I know you you went down to the Miami. Uh, I, I believe it in Miami, right? So how was it? Well, Can you share experience? Was well, it? It, it was two different conferences. So Dave's oh. was in Orlando. And then about a two weeks later, there was another one called Biohacking Congress in Miami. So I went to two different biohacking conferences. Can you share experience from both of them? What you learn new, who you see, and I don't know. I think the big focus that I noticed at both conferences was a focus on red light. I, I, I think red light suddenly is becoming very popular. And those of you that don't know, look up red light therapy. And here's the big fancy scientific term for it, photobiomodulation. And so when you get photobiomodulation, it's basically you in the poor man's version of it, standing out in the sun, which is bright and sunny here in South Carolina here today, uh, standing out in the sun somewhere around midday-ish, somewhere around 1 or 11 to 1 in, in right middle of the day. And there you're getting lots of red light at that time of day. And so you want to kind of get that exposure. But they have machines, and that's what it was at these conferences, that put off that red light for you. And you're thinking, okay, you're just standing in front of a bunch of red lights. What's that doing? Oh, it's doing so, so much at a cellular level. And I think this is kind of next level. You get keto dialed in, you do the fasting, you get the autophagy, you get all these benefits, you implement movement, like you want to go next level. Red light, I think, is kind of the next thing that you could do where you stand in front of this panel. And I'm very fortunate. I have a full body panel where I stand in front of it and I do it every day for about 20 minute session. I kind of do 10 minutes the front side and 10 minutes the back side completely naked so I get full exposure of all my skin and it's lowering of inflammation. I mean, it's improving the way your mitochondria work. I mean, so many benefits do it before uh, bedtime. It helps you sleep better. There's just so much about it. So I hope you do a whole episode just on photobiomodulation. I think it's, it's a fascinating thing, but that was one major area. And then I think just the idea of people being willing to try the technologies that are out there. I am shocked how much technology is now available to us that five years ago didn't even exist. Like I'm talking about things you can put on your brain that will measure it when you're meditating. If you're getting off kilter, it'll put you back on. Like that's amazing. The Morosco Forge company was there. They had their ice tank where you literally purposely make yourself cold. And a lot of people, when I start talking about cold thermogenesis, Alex, they're like, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, yeah, because you haven't adapted to it. Just like you could never uh, deadlift 300 pounds. Well, until you do someday when you work up to it. So it's just fascinating. Biohacking, I think, is that next level uh, of people's health that they're not trying yet. And the sooner you get on this, get in on this action, the better. 
sometimes I notice the barrier for people to start biohacking and improve their life is because it might be costly, it might be pricey. Even this red light ter- ter- therapy, it's cost yeah. uh, money. There is different, there is yeah. a red light therapy. I've seen the small one that you carry, yeah. put in your hands. Uh, yes. And there is bigger and the big one, probably the one that you have. And there is, of course, prices vary. But for some people, it's not affordable. Again, my friend, there are so many biohacks, improving your sleep, intermittent yeah. fasting is free, clean nutrition is free. How about cold meditation, <laughs> cold shower, uh, hot sauna? It's all improving your, not all of it, but uh, mitochondrial level. It's on the cellular le- uh, level and it's cost nothing. I mean, just in the winter last year, I've been here in Ukraine and it was minus 20 outside in Fahrenheit. I cannot comprehend, but it's pretty cold. And Whoa. I was digging with my ax. I brought my ax. I brought my wife there by walking. It's like 10 minutes walk from my house in the river. So I cracked and I, that, I was doing this first time in my life. Prior to that, I was doing cold showers. I would even live in Thailand and I would buy the ice, a lot of ice and put in the ta- bath tap. So I'm doing different stuff, but I've never did the uh, this cold uh, planche in the in the river, which normally people from my country kind of do, like Russian people would do that, right? And we have even holiday like that, but I'm never done because I'm kind of done like very cold. I changed my mind. I started doing it a few years, maybe five, seven years ago, the cold exposure. And last year, again, I will repeat, I did this cold plunge. That was awesome. I got myself into great level of stress because everything we do, workout, keto, intermediate fasting, that's a stress. What we're trying to do is, you heard probably that saying, what's not killing us, making us strong. Longer, right yeah but it's a but it's a hormetic stress so hormetic if, stress yes if i'm familiar with hormesis again you should do a whole show just on hormesis yes it's because we hear stress and we think oh all stress is bad no no some stress is good when you lift that weight in the gym you're stressing that muscle you're tearing it down breaking it down with the purpose of making you weaker no just the opposite mm-hmm. of making you stronger and you've got to look at hormesis in the same way when you do a hormetic stress like fasting like an ice bath like all the things we've been talking about yes you're putting your body through an immense amount of stress for the purposes of making you stronger later and so from the cold thermogenesis standpoint i do ice baths because i want to be able to adapt to that and plus it has great mind benefits and like you feel like you can do anything you're invincible yeah, you train your mindset. Sometimes, you know, people thinking when I lift some weight or do exercise physical or the cold shower, they think only about the benefits of the for the body, their uh, health, their muscle growth, their whatever, right? But most of the time I'm doing those crazy things to train my mind, to train my discipline. After the cold shower, I feel awesome. I get all of this endorphins and hormone of happiness, you know? I feel like I can really, like you said, I can go and do whatever, you know? After, especially after this planche, when I dive there, yeah. I like, hey, what else can I do? Maybe I can run this marathon and that marathon, you know? Let me tell you something I did this morning. So usually uh, I have a hot tub. And so when I get out of the hot tub and it's the winter, it's pretty cold and I'm, uh, but because I've been doing all these ice baths, I got out of it this morning and it was negative one Celsius. So not too cold, but cold enough. And I got out and I was like, not shivering. I was not uncomfortable and I'm dripping wet in below freezing temperatures and I felt fine. I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm adapted. Like it really kind of proved the point that you can really shift things in your body radically just by getting adapted. And that applies in all areas, not just the cold 
uh, adaptation, but you get uh, adapted that your brain is okay in what a lot of people would think is crisis situations. We all know those people that in the middle of really tough crisis times, they're chill. They're cool. They don't really freak out. You want to know how they did that? They trained their brain that things are okay, even in the midst of the chaos. And so, dude, that's why I do all these things and it's already reaping benefits. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you, Jimmy. Listen, what's your take on exercise? I know you walk a lot. What do you think about the high intensity intraval training? What about the lifting weights, resistant training, whatever you name it? I'm a fan of all those things you just listed. And I think you need all of them. I think cardio serves its purpose. Uh, I think uh, HIIT training, high-intensity interval training serves its purpose. Obviously, uh, lifting weights helps you burn more fat because you're going to have more muscle. Like, it's all great. Uh, the only reason I haven't during this challenge implemented, like, resistance training is I injured one of my ankles, and I'm still kind of healing that. I I'm very close to doing that. But I have a tractor tire in the side of my yard over here that weighs 200 pounds. What's that, like, 85 kilo? Yes, and so roughly very heavy. And I lift it up and I shove it down and like do like 10 or 12 of those flips, take a little bit of a rest, then flip back, you know, 10, eight or 10 or whatever reps and take a little rest and try to do as many rounds of those as I can. And that's a full body resistance training, a little bit of cardio, but mostly resistance training kind of workout. Sometimes I try to do it on a hit cycle where I make myself continually do it for 30 seconds at a time. So then I can breathe. And so, uh, and then I breathe for a minute and then I do it really, you know, quickly for 30 seconds. So no, I'm a fan of all of those things because anything where we engage our muscles and our mind and get our heart rate up, those are all nothing but good things. I feel like people do nothing because they think it's too painful. Kind of like the ice bath thing we were talking about. Oh, it's too painful. Like I won't do that. Well, it's only painful at the very beginning when you're first trying it out, but eventually you do adapt to it. Yeah, we human beings adapt to everything. You know, sometimes we can lower our standards, whether it's with the diet or with the not exercising. Sometimes we can uh, put our standards high and then we, we get used to, to that. Basically, I'm trying to say that we're habitual creatures and we need to use it because habits is great. But if you only if you use it the right way, if you're going to yeah. allocate the good ones and remove the bad ones, it's, it's uh, at least slowly. For example, for me, uh, I've gone through this habit transformation uh, for over the last many years, let's say i've been drinking and smoking for 19 years of my life i've been abusing junk food sweet tooth i have big one and many many things that i've accomplished in my life but it all started slowly and at first it's like seems how can you do it how can you do cold shower how can you do this keto and then this fasting and i, I didn't start uh to make the change in every area of my life right away i mean so, sometimes for some people it probably can happen like that. For me, I started slowly. And then yeah. the slowly steps every, every day I did slow. Yeah, they adds up. And that's how eventually I built my structure, my routine. And I so much happier and healthier. For example, yes. right now I'm 34 years old. And when I was in my teens, when I was 17, 18, I was again drinking, smoking, drug abuse. Till my 25, I didn't feel good at all. I, I didn't want to retire i didn't want to go to the 60 years old because i felt so awful very weak i didn't want to wake up each morning life didn't make any sense so i'm trying to say that that was awful time in my life but then i started shifting slowly fixed nutrition a little bit this and that and those things are adds up so guys for everybody who's tuning right now and listening our conversation with jimmy 
please don't just listen try to apply not everything at once you've heard so many tips so many biohacks so many do these do that start from the basics as jimmy yeah. mentioned many many times regardless what you're doing exercises start from the basics uh, fasting start from the basics keto start from the basics don't focus too much on the too crazy uh big technology and don't overcomplicating and very very important enjoy the process enjoy yeah. learn how to enjoy the cold shower learn how to enjoy the workout how to reward yourself after the workout or after the shower or just learn how to utilize this pain and pleasure uh, at your own advantage and i believe uh, you you're gonna make it uh, guys so i want to ask a little bit question again a little bit get back to the food because there's something that i was I was thinking a lot and I was talking a lot and uh, I understand the quality of the fat is crucial. doesn't matter you're doing keto or no, the fat doesn't equal, same with the protein. You have one kind of protein, you have another yeah. one, more inflammatory, uh, less yeah. inflammatory, but I want to talk about the, the fat in this case. I'm very big on gut biome, taking care and doing keto and the right way. So I eat a lot of the uh, I eat uh, nuts, seeds, uh, and I eat uh, a lot of flex seeds, chia seeds, things like that. Sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. The question is, when you hit those seeds, which consists a ton of the omega-6s and 3s in, in them, which is polyunsaturated, unstable, the most unstable kind of the healthy fats, but unstable. When you hit them, and I do like to make cookies and whatnot from them. I mean, my wife. So I like to cook with those uh, flower seeds, nuts. So the question is, is it going to oxidize? Is it going to turn into the poison? Uh, uh, I know it's a little bit more complicated, but it's for advanced people probably. Uh, so can you please share your own experience with that, your own knowledge with that? What do you think? Is it okay to do or is it damage, denature the fat big time and then our cells going to have hard time to process that? Look, I feel like we've unfairly vilified all omega-6 fat sources because of the seed oils, the vegetable oils, the canola oil, uh, cottonseed oil, soybean oil. Those are horrible, horrible, highly inflammatory oils. Look up Dr. Kate Shanahan. She talks about them very extensively, how horrible they are for your body. I think that's a different set of omega-6. All those ones that you mentioned, Alex, I feel like Omega-6 in that context is great because remember, omega-3s and omega-9s and omega-6s, well, these are all essential fatty acids, meaning your body can't make them, so you still need them. So I, I think in our rush to judge omega-6 because of the vegetable oil, seed oil, seed oils, we forget, oh yeah, we do need some healthy ones. And so I think the ones you, ident you identified are wonderful. And if your purpose is to gut microbiome from the fibers and things that are in it as well. I think that is a brilliant strategy. And it, look, it means you're taking a totality approach in your diet, not just saying, well, I'm going to just eat this and not eat. No, I think it's smart to add in fermented vegetables. It's smart to add in targeted things for specific reasons why you're doing it. I think all those foods you're eating too have a lot of good, healthy uh, fats that help with brain health too. So dude, there's no downside to it. 
I mean, I, I'm happy that you mentioned that it's it's about the proportion. We all need those uh, omega sixes and omega threes. Nowadays, everybody almost everybody pushes the agenda that omega sixes, all of them are bad. We need to eliminate right. them. In the Western diet, American diet, we have 50, twenty to fifty times more them than omega threes. And I got right. it for people who do just Western diet totally. But for me, doing clean keto, I eliminate those cruddy oils that you mentioned okay. a long time ago. And I understand that. Uh, when it comes to those omega-6, omega-3, is the perfect ratio. It's supposed to be yeah. the ratio. It's uh, If you do omega-3 dominance, it's actually going to harm your cell yeah. as much as you overdo omega-6s. It's supposed yeah. to be some ratio, 1 to 2, 1 to 4, meaning... Uh, four of uh, omega-3s to uh, one of omega-6s, or oh, sorry, vice versa. Yeah. Actually, I messed it up a little bit, but you got the point. <laughs> so uh, my question actually was, I already know that the foods that I eat are great. I was asking you, Jimmy, that should I consume those foods, those seeds and nuts raw? I will rephrase raw or I can heat them because with the heat, got- we denature and oxidize those yeah. beautiful fats, beautiful fats right. I'm talking about. Right. So, I, yes, no, don't heat them. Uh, I, I think the more in the raw form that you can get, the better. If you need a light heating for whatever purpose, I suppose that would be better. But no, I, I think we scorch way too many of these fats that you said are highly volatile, volatile and they are. Um, no, don't do that because it does oxidize. So people that don't have an imagery of what oxidize means, think about like your bicycle and the chain on your bicycle gets rusty. That's oxidation. That's rusting. So think about that happening in your body. You eat these rustified fats, these oxidized fats, that's going to rust the insides of your body and cause damage because eventually that chain on your bicycle will disintegrate and fall off. And that's what happens inside your body. So yeah, you're right. Sorry. I misunderstood the question. I I Yeah. 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 Great. It makes complete sense to me. And I've, I've seen, I've heard one of the podcasts where, uh, Ben Adazi and Thomas Delore uh, had a talk and they've been talking about uh, about similar uh, they they were talking about imagine the dumbbell or barbell uh, at the gym uh, and imagine you put it outside uh, on the rainy day and it will get oxidized that's basically what's happening inside your body or or almost the analogy is like that and they even Ben Adazi asked Thomas Delore uh, do you think what's worse sugar and they're both doing keto. We know that, right? Uh, what's worse, uh, smoking, sugar, or oxidized oils, crowdy oils, and things like that? And both of them said oils. Oil. They will make even more damage to our body than sugar, yeah. than smoking. It doesn't mean yeah. that I'm promoting those things, actually. In fact, no. I'm just saying that we overlook that thing. And we start, long time ago, we started like 30 years ago, 50 years ago, when some crazy studies shows up and said, hey, fat is bad. All of the fat is bad. We need to remove the fat. We need to start plugging uh, only sugar here and there. And so the more we evolve as a human species, the more we see the separation that not every protein is the same, created the same way. Not every carb is created the same way. We have resistant carbs. We have a beautiful soluble fiber, again, coming from the those seeds and nuts that's very beneficial for our gut biome. And we see the same with the fat. We have fat that support our health, that our body cannot live without this fat. Uh, and at the same time, we have fat that denatured, uh, it's hydrogenated, especially when humans start processing those things to make it shelf stable. The more we 
put our nose into those things, into the healthy foods, the more we denature them. And that creates the problem. And sometimes even people buying the, I personally use a lot of the omega-3s coming from the animal sources as well. And I mentioned chia and flaxseed. Yeah, obviously, but I also use sardine, mackerel, hearing, uh, and those salmon, of course, anchovy. And uh, what do you think about taking those... Would you like to more take in omega-3s in the supplement form or would you like more like in natural source when it comes with the fish? Dude, I eat or... grass-finished grass beef. I, I'm constantly posting. I think you probably saw my yep. story in my farmer's market hall and I'm loading up because people forget beef when it's fed well and it's raised well and it's able to be exposed to all the everything it's supposed to. It has a great amount of omega-3 fats in it. And, you know, people hear omega-3 fats and they think, oh, you have to eat fish products. Okay, yeah, fish does have the omega-3s, but not exclusively. So I think finding it from a variety of, of food sources is always going to be great. And it's going to be animal foods that are delicious. So, yeah, eat up. Agreement. Listen, let's touch a little bit of intermediate fasting or actually in, in this regard, all the types of fasting. What do you like to do yourself and... How do you recommend people, beginners to intermediate fasting to get started with that? What a great question. So I myself mix it up. I am a fan of what I have now called intermittent, intermittent fasting, meaning don't do the same 16 hours of fasting, eight hour window in the same time period every single day. Your body's going to get used to that. Just like what we talked about earlier, lifting the same amount of weight every single time, you're not going to grow. So I'm a fan, Alex, of, okay, Monday, I'm going to fast for 16 hours. Tuesday, okay, maybe I decide to make it an OMAD, one meal that day, and I fast for 24. Then the next day, maybe you have a full day's worth of meals, and that usually is about two meals, two to three meals for most people uh, that eat keto. Then the next day, totally fast, make it a, a complete fast that day, kind of an alternate day fast. And then you see what I'm saying? You mix it up. You make it intermittent, intermittent fasting so that your body is constantly trying to figure out, okay, there is no meal time. I'm going to send the dummy some signals that, okay, we're hungry, you know, and I think it helps to regulate you more. And then throw in every once in a while a 72-hour fast just to kind of see how your body adapts to that. And, And that's what I would say to new people. Don't hear about people like myself doing 21 day fast and go, oh my God, I can never do that. Well, no, you couldn't on day one, but on day one, you could go to bed after you have your supper meal at six o'clock, go to bed, wake up the next morning and push that window to maybe eight, nine, 10 o'clock. That's a nice little like 15 hours, 14, 15 hour fast. Everybody sleeps at night. You don't eat while you sleep unless you sleepwalk and you're eating and you're sleepwalking. (laughs) So try that first and then push it to noon or one. And then you've got this really solid fasting period and then make that eating window even tighter at some point. Now, I I will give this caveat, Alex. I don't think everyone needs to fast. I think a lot of people could benefit from it. I obviously don't think we need to be constantly grazing all day, but let's stop with the nonsense of everybody should fast because it's the best thing ever. Okay, maybe, but maybe there's some circumstances where you maybe you have an eating disorder and you don't eat and then you want to binge, that's not good. Um, And so kind of know thyself is what I would say if you're brand new to this. And if it sounds like you're starving yourself, just remind yourself you're doing this for your benefit. 
and you're working your way up. Look, when I first started, I thought intermittent fasting, fasting was so stupid. This is like 14, 13, 14 years ago. I heard about intermittent fasting. I'm like, that is so horrendous. Why would you starve yourself? And you know, I didn't know. And then I started trying it and learning it and doing it. Uh, and now look at me. I do weeks and weeks and weeks of fasting and it's no big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, listen, you mentioned one thing that if you starve yourself too much or if you push too much uh, and don't listen to your body, uh, I'm, I'm rephrasing, obviously, that you might have people might have some different food disorders and whatnot. So and it was it touched me really deep because I had this experience. That's how I uh, developed the binge eating disorder, the food problem, yeah. the food addiction to begin with. I was doing, it started as far as I can recall, right? I analyzing my past and what I see, it's all started back then when I started doing this, eating eight meals a day for like 300 calories per time or something, cutting a, a lot, a lot, a lot. Cutting. I was cutting calories and I was eating many meals. Each meal was like nothing for me. And I always was hungry, always was starving, but that's what fit guru back then at least me yeah. was teaching so i was doing everybody what, what people say and i thought it's good and this is where i start always crave foods and i start became addicted to that after that i start practicing intermediate fasting which is awesome don't get me wrong but my coach that i hired back then pushed me all too much over my limits and i've developed even more hunger my animal yeah. brain went crazy and i was doing yeah. 72 hours fast and i pushed 69 with all of my mindset all of my discipline all of the knowledge with everything and i broke and instead of breaking fast the right way with the bone broth with the lean chicken whatever whatever i just start indulging everything i mean everything and after that i start doing feast and famine mode and that created a lot of the binge eating it was crazy so i want to also make it clear with people when you start in first of all don't do the cutting diet when you cut your calories all the time on the long run it's never going to work on a short period of time yes but be wise and listen to your body because yeah sometimes discipline and push yourself is good but if you overdo it over a long period of time for some people for some people your brain can go crazy your lizard brain and uh, might turn on the survival mechanism that's what happened with me so now when i coach people to do intermediate fasting or things like that i'm trying to slowly implement them so they can grow and adapt as they go and as they feel and don't fast every day i always recommend alternate day fasting changing things around so they will uh, again first of all figure out what's work for them what's not second of all do not get complaints complacent with the things that they do on a, a consistent basis so i think it's right. really important that you mentioned that uh, moment well and i think people make the mistake of thinking fasting means not eating as much and so when they fast they're like well, I'll have a bulletproof coffee or I'll have just a little bit of, I'll have bone broth. I'll have this, I'll have that. And I'm thinking, okay, are you eating or are you fasting? Because if you're fasting, that's nothing. That's water and salt. Yep. That's it. Like, don't make this hard on yourself because people are like, well, isn't it better if I have a little bit? No, because you're turning on all those signals in your body that you're eating that day. And if your body thinks you're eating and then you're severely under eating because your bone broth or your uh, bulletproof coffee only adds up to a few hundred calories, your body's kind of going, oh, okay, let's go. And it's actually going to do the counterproductive of what you're trying to accomplish here. So eat nothing. And in fact, in, in our book, uh, The Complete Guide to Fasting, Dr. Fung and I talked about this, eating nothing actually boosts your metabolism by 12% 
Whereas if you have anything beyond just a couple hundred calories, you're actually making yourself hungrier. You're making yourself more susceptible to needing your body to, to adapt to you thinking you're eating and then you're not eating enough. So it's horrible um, what people do to themselves. And so when you're fasting, fast. When you're eating, make sure you eat enough as well. That's the other thing. When people go back to eating on the day that they're, they're feasting, they're not eating enough calories because they're, well, I want to get the benefits of the fasting, so I don't want to eat too much. Well, that's where you get into trouble. Now, again, like you said, don't binge, don't overeat, but eat appropriate amounts of food so that when you do fast, it's easier to do it. Yeah, exactly, Jimmy. Listen, what's your top three? What's your formula for success? I'm not talking about weight loss necessarily or health in success in life. What's your top three uh, tips, top three hacks that you use for your life to succeed in any area of life? I would say let your mind go to what success is before you even start the journey to success. Look, I envisioned, this was in the late 2000s, I envisioned, I'm going to write books and I'm going to educate people. I envisioned that in like 2007, eight. And then eight, nine years later, I have three international best-selling books. Like you have to see where you're going so you know where you're going. And this is where people make the mistake, Alex. They, they try to start on a journey and thinking the journey itself will be what leads them to success. Uh-uh. You have to envision it. You have to see into the future uh, and, and even go like four or five steps forward of, okay, if I do this and then this will happen and then this and this and this and, and be confident in who you are and what you're uh, capable of and be reasonable. Don't, don't see yourself in an idealistic uh, situation, but I knew how to write. I knew how to to communicate ideas, and I was learning from all these doctors with my podcast. I knew something special was going to happen with that, and I kind of put it out there. Um, and so that would be one: just see ahead before things happen. It's going to serve you well, and it served me extremely well. Uh, rephrase the question one more time, just so I have it top of mind. Yeah, top three tips for success in life. Right now, you okay. mentioned one. And I, before I, you will start to the second one, I want to ask, do you do like journaling or visualization? What kind of way you I go in for a walk and visualizing that? Because I'm doing all of that. I just want your take on that, yeah. uh, how you envision your future, right? Yeah. Look, I don't journal because my brain is so sharp. I don't forget. That's my problem. I, I still have very vivid memories of like my childhood. So I don't really have to write a lot of things down. I know people love that. And it's a, it's a practice I'm a huge fan of if your brain isn't uh, as I guess, photographic as mine is, but yes, uh, visualizing uh, and even manifesting. Um, I have spoken out loud things uh, and put out there in the universe, so to speak of, this is what I want. It works. Like I'll give you an idea. Uh, there was a few weeks ago, I wrote this post on Instagram and, and all over social media about the future girl that'll be in my life. I, I type in a, a letter to her and I just met her, I think maybe. So we'll, we'll see, but you have to manifest those things and see how those things work out. And, and it's beautiful when you do that, because if you don't and you lament, oh, nothing ever happens for me. Well, yeah because you're not putting your thoughts and you're not putting that energy towards that. So uh, the second, the second one I'd go with 
you got to work your ass off. Like, I think people think life is supposed to just happen for them just because they exist. Sorry, we all exist. We all breathe the same air. What sets somebody apart that's successful from those who are not successful is they're willing to put in the work. And you mentioned earlier, I'm the host of the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show, but I have two other podcasts. I do One Step Deeper podcast. I have one called Real Talk. I do those walking talks. I am killing myself putting in the work trying to be the best at what I do. And because of that, because of my willingness to put in the work, guess what? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that when you work hard, you will see success. Won't always be right away. Look, I started 2005. I started blogging. 2006, I started podcasting. I didn't make a living of success writing books and things until 2015 was the first time I saw a check that I went, okay, Wow. And years. Years. Now, it won't take people that long. I don't want to discourage anybody from starting. But from where I was to the time I got some success that I went, wow, things are moving with this. It was 10 years. And it, it could be three years for you. It could be five years from you. But if you put in the hard work, it will pay off with success in the end. Um, you want to have any comments on that before I go to the third one? I want to say that I completely agree on on this one and uh, I can relate to that as well. I've started my businesses a long time ago and I even sometimes, you know, it might discourage people when you hear somebody, hey, got successful in one year or in one day. And then uh, and then I imagine myself, hey, I spent five years building those businesses and nothing worked. So I want people to understand that we're all different. We come from the different uh, I don't know, from the diff- different cultures, different countries, different backgrounds. And don't judge, don't look at others, judge, don't, sorry, I will rephrase, don't judge yourself by looking at others. Yes, yeah. look what's possible for others, but you need to compete with your own self. L- yeah. uh, look to see how you're growing on a day-to-day basis. One step at a time, improve yourself, and whether it's business or any other goal where you're trying to achieve a success in life, that just focusing on improving yourself little by little. And of course, find the mentor or the somebody who has already the game plan so you can uh, tap into that and shortcut sort of speak the experience for example right now you tune into us to the jimmy to me because we're sharing experience how to get healthier how to lose weight how to do keto intermediate fasting so you're kind of shortcutting that and i really like that you said so number one visualize your visualize your success visualize your goals and leave it feel it you absolutely have to feel it you cannot just I, you know what? I don't really like the word visualization because people think it's just visualized, just like picture. I like to the word mental rehearsal. Manifestation, we can say, but mental rehearsal, that Judy Spencer used this word. Uh, mental rehearsal is basically you rehearse your future as it already happened. Yes. You see it, visualize that, you feel it, you touch it, you smell it. You're literally in the present moment of this experience, whatever the case might be, whatever the goal might be, and you're trying to connect to that and really feel. And that's number one uh, of your secret uh, for the success in life. Number two is definitely work your ass off. Arnold Schwarzenegger said that, Jimmy Moore said that. I'm saying that everybody's saying that you need to work smart, uh, but you need you still need to work your butt off. And yeah, I, I don't remember the quote Tony Robbins said that we got rewarded for little things that we do when people don't see us, something like that. When, when you're working out at home, nobody sees it. When you practice that uh, diet, when you're doing this and that, people don't see that, but you will get rewarded for your work uh, later when people already will find out about you. So little steps every single day, work your butt off, thrive to your vision. And step number three, I mean, not step, tip tip number three for success. Tip number 
is two C's. It's confidence and consistency. And I see this over and over and over again. People come to me and go, Jimmy, how are you so successful? You put out all this content. You just keep going and going. I'm like, because I keep going and going. And because I know my stuff and I'm not timid. I, I feel like, Alex, so many people, they have the want to, but they don't believe in themselves enough. So that's where that confidence comes into play. Know your stuff. Like when I invite people on my show, um, I am always kind of tapping into, I'm, I know what you have to offer. And I see it in them before they do sometimes. And they're oh, I'm not qualified. Uh, and I'm just like, where, what is that? Like, be confident in what you know. Um, I had a medical doctor on the other day that was that way. She talked about stem cell therapy and she was kind of freaking out. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up. And I'm like, just be who you are. I'm asking you on my show because I think you're amazing and you've got great content, but you got to be confident and able to promote it. Um, and then the consistency, because I've seen this happen so many times in the 17 years I've been online. People get all gung-ho. They have the confidence. They get out there. They do one, two, three, four, five, six episodes of a podcast and then gone. You never see them again. And it's like, what happened there? What happened was they got burnt out because they did it too much, too fast, didn't have a consistency plan. And for Jimmy, I've done this for a very long time, over a decade and a half now. I've been at this for a good reason. I'm consistent. I feel that obligation to my followers to give them quality content. <laughs> That's the other thing my mom's like. My mom always says, I don't know how you come up with all these ideas to talk about. I would be so bored in a week. Like, Mama, that's the difference between you and me because I'm not bored. I keep it interesting and I stay engaged in the passion. This is the kind of a, a bonus, number four tip. Have yeah. that from within, guys, so that it oozes. You commented how you like watching my walk and talks because you can feel the confidence, the passion that I exude doing that. And I love it. And I don't prepare. Yes. I live and breathe all of this, Alex, so that it just exudes from me. I don't have to work at this being on your show today. I, I didn't prepare anything. I, in fact, I told you, don't tell me what you're going to ask me about. Let's just have a conversation because I know it'll be amazing. And it has been. Yeah. And I think you mentioned a really good thing about the, you, you said confidence and discipline, but a lot of the time people would push, push for, again, like you said, for one year or two years doing podcasts and they don't see results. They don't see money coming up or subscribers or viewers or listeners. They don't see yeah. it's growing. And you actually already answered my question before I asked that, because I wanted to ask, how did you keep pushing for 10 years without giving up with your blogging? I, you already answered. You said, because I love it. Oh, because I envisioned that. I love it. I'm passionate about it. So yes. I was doing it for free. I'm ready to do it for free, basically. Yeah. You didn't say that. That's I'm rephrasing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much what I did. And, and for a while, I didn't even start with the intention of money. And I think this is where I think people get into trouble, Alex. They go into being an online influencer, a podcast or whatever, with the hopes of it becoming monetary. No, I think that is so wrong. Can you make money? Obviously, I have. But I feel like if that's your motivation, you're going to burn out so... That was me. So that was me. Yes. I can say, uh, and actually, that's why I changed my uh, my niche, the things that I'm sharing right now, because uh, not a lot of people knows. I've started first of the time. I, st I started with the uh, YouTube and a podcast show talking about how to run Facebook paid ads for real estate, how to generate leads for real estate. I'm not into real estate 
I hate running paid ads. And I was teaching that to people. Uh, it took a few months, quite a few months that I burned out. And I was doing that purely for money because I had my agency and I wanted to scale it. And I was doing that for money. It wasn't successful. I was hated the job. I was hated what I was doing. And I was sitting with my mom and my wife and said, I don't know what to do. I'm learning. I've been for 10 years learning. I don't have time for this real estate and for this paid ads and all of those things, teaching them. I don't like it. I don't have time. Every day I'm learning biohacking. I'm learning how to lose weight, how to build muscle, how to get healthy, how to eat properly for myself and it takes a lot of time every day so i don't have time for this and then i decided for this business sort of speak so i decided hey what if what if i'm going to share what i'm learning from all over these 10 years of healthy lifestyle and all of that why so i i did this change for myself instead of focusing on the monetizing youtube and podcast or whatever the case might be for you my my friend who is tuning in right now i completely stopped doing what i hated and I started doing to this weight loss journey, the health journey. I started sharing that uh, for free, obviously, on my YouTube channel and a podcast. And this is where it clicked. And I love to do it. Absolutely. I'm ready to do it for my life for free because that's what I'm passionate about. I literally share what I'm going through, what I'm learning from other people. And yeah. interviewing you is just fantastic. So I'm very happy you came to my show, Jimmy. Uh, so grateful for this experience. Thank you so much. Can you please uh, say where people can find more about you? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I have a website, uh, Live in La Vida Low Carb is the name of the website, LLVLC.com, stands for Live in La Vida Low Carb. Um, makes it real easy to find all my podcasts. I have all my stabatical videos are there. Pretty much anything about me you want to find is there. I am at Live, I'm at Live in Low Carb Man on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Um, and yeah, uh, and I have nine books. I'm writing on my 10th book now, which will be my very first mindset book. It's coming wow. out early, early 2022 called One Step Deeper Journal, writing it with my best friend, Brittany. And so uh, look forward to getting that out there. But yeah, dude. I loved having you on my show, but you are a great interviewer. Thank you for this. <laughs> Man, maybe we can do part two. Uh, and someday, I mean, maybe next year or whatever, part two, I would love to have you a second time on the show. I have so many questions to follow up questions and whatnot, and it's always happy to connect with you. So can you give the last advice, maybe last piece of advice for our audience, and we're going to wrap it up? Uh, what do you want advice on? <laughs> uh, whatever. Like, literally, it can be health. It can be mindset. It can be anything. Wherever you are in your life right now, just do the dreams of your heart. I feel like, Alex, so many people go through their lives complacent and they're just miserable. And they're like, oh, nothing good ever happens to me. And they kind of live in this kind of mundaneness of their life, not realizing there's all these ex ex uh, things that they could explore out here that could make their lives so much better, but they like the comfort of staying right here. Get out of your comfort zone, move to those things that are your dreams, shoot for the stars and you're going to get close to hitting something that's your dream. I promise. And I feel like we don't, we don't need to just let life come to us because we're not meant to have life live us. We're meant to live life and we need to get out there and start living our lives. I do, you do. And now we want all of you guys to, Crush your fears, guys. Listen to Jimmy. And uh, again, 
crush your fears uh, day by day, overcome those obstacles, get outside of this comfort zone. I myself get complacent working from nine to five as a miner in a little town in Ukraine. And I, my salary was $200. And I didn't know it's possible to jump with the legend of the keto and intermediate fasting community, Jimmy Moore. And now I made it possible. And it's not always that easy. I always overcoming uh, those obstacles. And yes, uh, I have the fear of the public speaking and whatnot. But that's that's the whole life. I have my dreams. I have my goals. And I decided, you know what, like Jimmy said, we need to, we have only one life. Well, I believe we have only one life. And why don't we leave it to the fullest, to our maximum potential. I do believe our creator, our God, our, I don't know, universal consciousness, the nature, whoever you believe, we've come here to get something bigger than just work uh, nine to five or the job, always complain and hate our lives. Now, it doesn't mean I advise everybody right now quit their jobs. All I'm just saying, hey, uh, you came here with specific reason and I know you can be unleashed. And that's a part of my journey. That's a part of the genius journey is to bring our best knowledge, our best advice, and hopefully unlock your inner potential, my friend. So thank you so much, Jimmy, again, for coming to the show. I'm looking forward to part two, number two at your show and vice versa. And I see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Now, for those of you who want to work with me directly on your healthy weight loss journey, who need more personal touch, who need, uh, who want to me holding your hand in helping you with fasting, with keto, nutrition, exercises, whatever the case might be, and the most importantly, with accountability and the mindset help. If you want to not only lose weight, but actually keep it off for life, then I have a special one-on-one body mastery coaching program where I personally help my clients to reach their body of their dreams while getting energized, getting healthier, and happier in a healthy and sustainable way, which is the most important. Now, I make custom-tailored meal plans, fasting and exercise regimen if necessary. We have daily accountability check-ins, weekly video Zoom calls with me personally, and lots more. So, to find out more about this one-on-one body mastery coaching program and to book a free strategy call with me personally, go to my website at biohackbody.com. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or receive any value, then I'd love you to leave an honest review on iTunes. It does help a little bit to spread my word out so this podcast can reach more people so we can help as many people as we possibly can to master their health and improve lives for the good. And don't forget to subscribe to the Health Mastery Podcast with Alex Yehorov for future episodes. I see you there.